So growing up, I was in speech therapy from like pre-K onward. I couldn't pronounce my R's, my S's, my T's, my L's. Like I had a bad lisp type thing. Mm -hmm. And I was in it until like second grade, third grade. Um, and I never could get promoted out of it, even though a lot of that I felt like had gone away. Like I'd go into speech and I remember like she'd say, err, and I'd go, err. And I had, kept having to go back to speech. Well, one day I got off the bus and walked into the school and showed up to speech class and we didn't have Miss Murphy anymore. Miss Murphy had been busted for drugs. Oh, what kind of drugs? Shit. Like meth? I had I had Miss it probably was just weed or something. I don't know. But she had she was no longer with us. And I had Miss Candy Johnson. And I had my first session with Candy Johnson. And she's like, you sound great. And she promoted me on my first day. And I'm like, this woman who's been holding me back all these years has just been high. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel? Oh, I like Jimmy Fallon better. Kimmel. I don't really like Kimmel. Kimmel. I, maybe. He's gotten away with some wild stuff in his career. You ever think about that? <laughs> Like I have what? thought about that. To be where he is now, I'm not going to say it out loud, but to be where he is now, and some of the, and he was on the man show. He gets show. a pass. He gets a pass for the man show for some reason. The man oh, show. didn't he yeah. like? Oh, his like child died too, or something, right? Didn't he have like some? No, he didn't die. Or some illness or something. What am I thinking of? I think he had. Oh, I actually surgery. don't know about that. Mm. Oh, and then he went on and became all of our moral arbiter for our entire society about healthcare. Well, that's, that's, I think, well, I mean, not to get into that on this podcast, but that's, <laughs> I think the wild thing about him is like, he's just like, he seems like he should have been canceled. Like how he survived that. I'm like, what did he do? This must be a smart negotiator. I think, I think Jimmy Fallon would just get annoying much faster. No, than see, Jimmy no, Kimmel I don't would. think so. I think if we're hanging out, Jimmy Fallon is going to the best restaurants. He's, living it up he's partying we're dancing we're drinking i feel like jimmy fallon is actually fun mm. still See, i i think he is always that fun and it's goofy maybe you don't want to be his best friend <laughs> but i just i feel like he has another personality like i think yeah. there's a high chance that he is like not at all the same way that you see him and i think jimmy kimmel is probably about the same he seems like he's you know probably not the most awesome guy to be around but he's kind of funny but he seems like more like a real person would act since we're talking about late late night talk show host what about like conan o'brien or seth oh, myers I'm a, I'm a big conan fan i think conan's the best one yeah he's, right now he's the best seth myers it hasn't been he's been funny maybe two times in his entire life <laughs> yeah i find him utter i never have laughed at him and you want to talk about a fake laugh? He he like strains his face when he's laughing because it's yeah. so fake. Um, yeah, not a Seth Meyers guy. Seth but Conan Myers is, is very forgettable. Yeah, Conan's great. Very, very much. Mm -hmm. He's also so tall. I mean, there's something like interesting about that, you know? A tall ginger. He's a tall ginger. Mm -hmm. huh. a tall How ginger. many hair transplants do you think he's had, Ariel? Oh, he's got that. Like how That's many his entire of, brand. Like That's, how many pieces no, just, of hair he's had transplanted or like how many times? No, just how many it? times do you think he's had a hair transplant? Do you have to Once. redo them? Yeah, I think Why so. Why would you like have them done years. more than? Oh, 
Well, I don't know. I don't know where he started from. So I'm, I'm just going to say two. What's your guess? <laughs> two. That's a good th- – I, I feel like two <laughs> is a good guess. Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I got a question – or not a question, but we – Last podcast we recorded, Bobby was on vacation, and then tomorrow we get on a plane, and we're coming to see you, Ariel. Mm-hmm. We're coming you to are. the Dirty Lou. The Dirty Lou. We're going to fly the plane right through the arch. <laughs> that's oh, a that's what I, mean, I call it that. Is that Did a bad you... thing to call it? <laughs> no, but the art, the plane does fly through the arch. Like, the and plane? Then you kinda, yeah. If through the, the arch? Go through, through the arch. It's like every plane coming into the airspace goes through the arch. It's like the, it's like the signature of St. Louis. Yeah, and then you like kind of like go up over the downtown area and then land at Lambert. Lambert. That's how okay, it works. Yeah. that sounds fake. So I did see a video the other day where it showed how you get to the top of the arch. And We're I not going like, to the arch, Bobby. I'm done I saw right that now. elevator that you get into. Oh, I'll wave as you go. No. <laughs> that thing was tiny, and they packed like six people into this little yeah. like Oompa Loompa elevator. And it's yeah. like it was the like, same what? technology from the '60s or something. The yes, top of it, it seemed kind of cool. Like the top of it didn't seem – it was like more spacious than I would have imagined in there. How do you feel like about you heights? The elevator. Are you... If I'm inside of something, I feel fine with heights. I don't have okay, a problem what, being what inside What if you're inside something? something that's kind of like swaying back and forth a little bit? Have I had a drink or no? You're sober. A little concerned. A little concerned. Okay. That's the top of the arch. Small space. It's a train car that's swaying Moving. back and forth however many feet high. Okay. Okay. I want to. I want to say this. You know, I haven't thought about it in a while, but the St. Louis Arch, as far as a city monument, it's, it's kind of badass. Yeah. Like, it's pretty, it's when you think about there. it, what does Chicago have? The Bean. I mean, New York's got the Statue of Liberty. You know, I don't know. Well, Empire State <laughs> Building. New York's a little bit of a different. Okay, but that's we'll leave not. That one but that's out, like but, a. But hold like, on. But hold on. The Empire State Building, buildings. though, like they're buildings that people work in. Like this is just okay. like a. That's true. It's just That's there. True. Yeah. And then like you go to you go to DC and they have maybe the Washington Monument monument, it's, but that's just like there's some straight neat up. stuff in DC. But like an art <laughs> there, and it's so it's nice it. and like it, good lines. Mm-hmm. What's interesting though? It really is. Is that that's the only thing that is memorable about that's that city because like if saying no, I'm serious, I'm this serious. as the person who's never been, never but been. go on. <laughs> no, no, no. But no no no. But if you're just a re- regular person, you're like, what does St. Louis look like? You could picture the arch. And then I don't think anybody could be like, oh, I know exactly what the skyline looks like. Okay, well, what about Houston? What's yeah, your, I was going like, to say, Houston like, doesn't even have the arch. I think that Houston's a more memorable city. Because <laughs> you live there. <laughs> they the tore Astrodome. down the Astrodome. No, it's still up. Okay. It's still sitting there. It's still, like, <laughs> anyway, I'll go back to say, maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll have to come back to this later with a bigger Houston's list. Houston's a far mm-hmm. better city than St. Louis is, and I haven't even been to St. Louis. You, it's just because you live there. That's what you think. But like, there's nothing. I don't even memorable. like Houston. I I don't like living here. I want to move somewhere else without the humidity. But I, there's no. You can't tell me that St. Louis and Houston are the same type of city. I don't think they're the same me. type of city. No, nobody, but I think St. Louis is better. <laughs> but no, that's what I'm saying. When I say type, I mean by like quality. Monuments alone, <laughs> St. Louis wins. Monuments alone, I think St. Louis might win. Maybe again, that's the only just thing top, about it, though. top of my head. I, the only thing I can think better in the whole world is maybe like. Paris, Eiffel Tower, and Rio de Janeiro. The you Jesus Statue of Liberty yeah. is more I'm kind of. We're pulling New York out of it because I mean, what? Space Needle is kind of what? cool. Okay, they can have it. Eh, Space Needle, but mm-hmm. there's a restaurant again, up there. That's not cooler than an arch that goes like that. And no. the Astrodome. If we're gonna be clear, the Astrodome was a wonder of the world. 
for quite some time. I don't think that has the arch ever had that distinction. Probably actually. Well, let's, let's find out. It, see how, I mean, you, you have to go reader or er, readers, listeners and Reader. viewers. <laughs> and if you're reading the transcript for this, I implore you. To Which we know many of you are. <laughs> go. If you're in St. Louis, go to the, the free museum underneath the arch and see how the arch was made. And it is a architectural feat, an engineering feat. It is very impressive. It is beautiful. It is very worthy of your respect, no matter what other people say. <laughs> it is worthy of your respect. Uh, so the Astrodome like was the eighth, it was dubbed the eighth wonder of the world. By who? Like Arch. Joe Rogan? Okay. I don't think no, he's talking. Don't bring what is him that? Out of this? this is like, no, this is like a well-known, like it is, people have called it the, the eighth. Is that somewhere you went growing up? Like what was your relationship with the yeah. Astrodome? I went to, I went to the Astrodome. Uh, yeah. Most people my age probably went to the Astrodome and it was right across from Astro World, which actually. Uh, yes. That is no, no longer with us. Unfortunate. Yeah. It's no longer with mm -hmm. us, but no, it was really cool. I mean, it was, it was a, it was an icon. And then they built the Reliant, the new stadium right next to it. And it was like, oh wait, that's. A lot better and bigger and nicer. <laughs> I do have a questionable uh, decision that's more questionable maybe than uh, coming to St. Louis or going in the oh, arch. Okay. We want to well, go there. Be, you ready? That must be a strong one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we had a course launch last week. And, I mean, we spent just, like, so much time working on it, right? And, like, the night before, we were up late. And it's just, like, it's a big production to put a course out. Correct. Anybody, anybody want to say anything more about the process of launching a course? Just like sum up the, the work, the energy, the thought that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, you have more descriptors you'd like to cover? There, <laughs> just, just that. Uh, I mean, launching a course is a lot of pre-planning. It's the actual production of it and recording and editing and getting all of the bonus materials and writing the sales page and getting your community strategy. There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, we put a lot of work into it. It's worth a lot of money. And whatever price you see it at next is a steal and you should buy it. <laughs> okay, thank you. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I like to see seed, seed future buyers. Right, right, right. No, it's a big, it's a big effort. It's a big undertaking. It's, I think it's more than most people would like, if they don't see the behind the scenes, they're like, Oh, you just put together a course, but I don't think that they realize right. all the different, there's so much that goes oh, into and the it technical the stuff and the integrations and tracking and mm -hmm. yeah, it's crazy. Stuff. Well, I, I asked you that question because of what I found on CNBC, make it or made it. And it really like angered me because I found it as we were working on this course. And my questionable decision, the questionable decision that I print, present to you is, if you see an article that says, self-made millionaire, here's how I'd use AI to make thousands of dollars a month in passive income with less than $100, is it a questionable decision to believe that this is possible? And maybe we can just, you know, it might feel good to just kind of like tear this apart a little bit. So I've got some thoughts on this because I've been on, I've been on make it before and I know kind of like the, the behind the scenes part of it. Okay. Um, there is vetting that happens. I will say that like there, um, like when my, the first one that I was on and it was like there, I think it was my student loan story. Mm -hmm. Like they wanted, I, I spoke to a reporter, um, maybe twice. I think I might've had two conversations with her. And then I did have to like submit proof for the claims 
of what was being said in the article. I had to like show my student loan, uh, the records of that being paid off. I, like I, I did have to provide a decent amount of proof. So okay, that's um, good to know. I, I look at, but I do at the same time though, I look at some of these things and I think that some people could pretty easily stretch the truth if they wanted. And I, I think it's always different. Like I, I probably every reporter, if I had to guess is kind of different. Like some probably like the, I've, I've talked to plenty of reporters and I guess, uh, over the course of my career now, and it's like some of them do ask for a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of them that are kind of like younger don't seem to ask for that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, um, so I've just kind of noticed that there is a difference. Um, so I, I, but I still, I take, I take some of that stuff with a grain of salt. The other thing too, is that you have no creative control over the headline that has popped up there. So like I didn't have, I wasn't able to like suggest, like, I think we should use this kind of, it didn't, it was like, I did the interview and then I just hope for the best, you know? Right. Well, and we've done so Forbes that. interviews with, Mm -hmm. people and it's the same kind of thing like they don't have much control if yeah I mean, we've always sent them like as a final once over before it's published but you know we come up with the headline forbes is stringent in terms of like verifying that this is all right. real information um yeah the reason like i said i brought i brought this today because you know reading the article and it sounds like this this person who wrote it matt higgins He's a contributor. Um, he, you know, did very well for himself, uh, you know, building a, a business and a life that he feels uh, very proud of and he's very successful. But this, like the way that he tells you to create a course here after we spent like months of planning just feels very, just feels like he really minimizes the effort that it takes. Well, I mean, put... let's just start with step two. <laughs> I don't forget one. Become an expert right. in 24 hours. Right. So before we go to step two, let's just, step one is identify okay. fast moving trends. Step two, become an expert in 24 hours. Three, build a logo and a website. Four, use AI as your marketing and sales team. Like that's it. Okay, this stuff is Passive garbage. income, I, like, and you are going to be rich and never have to work a day again. Like seriously. Does he talk about like an audience at all? Because that's like, does he say like you have to have like an email list with Also, use Midjourney to create a logo. You can't create a logo with Midjourney. This is... Yeah, this uh, stuff written with ChatGPT. It might have yeah. been ChatGPT is like wrote this to promote itself. Um, all you need to wait, do wait, is wait. study up with wait, the best. Wait, wait. Is that the end? Is it the end? That's the end. That's that's it. a short. Oh my that's gosh! It. And like, yeah, what? Somebody gonna go piece. try and do this? Yeah. yeah. So that's like, isn't this like that's questionable? Identify to a fast moving trend and become an expert. I don't like that because like, if you're gonna sell something to somebody. You need to know what you're talking about. You don't need to just mm -hmm. like do research on the thing and then sell something because you did research on it at a surface level. Like that is, that is unethical. I, yeah. I, was say, I think that's definitely unethical. Like you imagine that if like we did a bookkeeping course and like, like I outsource all the bookkeeping for my companies and like I decided to do the bookkeeping course because I had like talked to a bunch of bookkeepers before it's like, and used AI to like help me fill in the gaps in knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, and you, it's oh, awful. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. This is like a supremely useless article because it's not even like <laughs> just like seize upon seize upon something and and you know fly by night, get rich quick with an actual plan to get rich quick. Like this won't even work. No. Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting because I thought this article was going to be more along the lines of like using AI to get the course produced, which is more reasonable than using AI to, to gain the knowledge 
or to, to substitute for the knowledge that you need to create a course. Can you go right down to that last sentence? And that, and that's it. AI can be a great tool for making money, <laughs> and it sure as heck beats selling flowers on street corners. Who I don't know. I this? feel <laughs> I would feel better selling flowers on street corners. I would feel like I. Let's look at this guy's Twitter. Go to Matt Higgins' Twitter. He has a book that was published on February fourteenth, twenty twenty-three. Yeah, so, so that's, he's he's promoting his book. Yeah. So and I don't know how that works, you know, but I, I think I'm sure that it's just like there's a there's a arm inside of the publisher that is media only and they're just they've got all these contacts and they can get their writers into different or their authors into different publications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking game. at I'm looking at their their Twitter and it's like there's the Atomic Habits guy wrote an article, lots of political stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to I, I really did like the the profiles and kind of hearing real stories uh, definitely seems like they've got a lot of Barbara Corcoran. Here's Mark Cuban, Warren Buffett. So yeah, it definitely seems like yeah. they've kind of moved to a more predictable publishing, you know, content strategy. I think they got Barbara to comment on one of like a quote from her for one of the articles. Like there was one about me just driving an old car and like they got her to talk about driving old cars or something. Barbara and Corcoran? So like beef it up with that. Yeah, I think so. She's on a lot of stuff. If somebody like that. So let's pull it back to courses, though, because that is, as I said at the beginning, that's what like originally kind of piqued my interest in this article. And and I think that, you know, we've we're all in agreement that if you were to read that article and believe that you could create a course and create a like decent stream of passive income and with as little effort as Matt Higgins suggests in his article, or his chat GPT friend suggests. Oh, become an expert, what would make be, a course. What would be like, could we maybe, can we sort of like give some more actionable steps for anybody who would be interested in that as like a legitimate stream of money? So obviously expert knowledge in something or know well, a lot. Know a lot. I don't think or, it makes sense if you have, if you don't even have a brand. Like to me, it's like, if you're going to start mm-hmm. from, I don't know, because I've, I've talked to people that have wanted to do this from nothing um, because we used to sell a program in my other company where it was teaching people how to do courses. But like one of the kind of requirements that we had was that you had some type of audience to sell to, because if you don't, then it's like, okay, well, this is going to take you a long time. Like there's always like this caveat of like, if you have no audience, this is going to take you like two years to build an audience first. Then once you have people that trust you, then, you know, you can create a product around something you truly are an expert around and sell it. But if you don't have anything like this is a crazy hard way to make money from scratch. But I do think there are, I mean, being an expert certainly is a good thing, but even if it's just a, a, a skill you have that, and you're a good teacher or you have a unique approach, um, I agree with what Bobby's saying about audience for like setting up a course business, but there's ways to begin to do that. Like you can use buy. Uh, what uh, buy me a coffee and there's marketplaces for those types of things where you can do one-on-one consultations with people or you mm-hmm. can sure. um, s- sell you know mini courses through or, or ebooks through like Gumroad and so there's a lot of marketplaces that you see around where people are making a little bit of money twenty bucks here fifty bucks here selling some of their knowledge but I think especially on courses if you were to be able to stand up a course with AI on something you don't know about. You're going to get called on your BS so quick. You're going to get mm-hmm. chargebacks. I mean, when people buy these things, 
they're not giving you the benefit of the doubt or just, you know, letting your lack of knowledge skate. They're paying you, you know, to teach them something. And if you can't, they're not going to put up with that. They're going to get their money back. So I think that it's an admirable thing. If you want to teach people or if you feel like you have a unique approach on something, there are ways to do that. Obviously, building an audience is very important because you want to do it at scale and you want to make it into a business. But even if you don't have that audience yet, there are ways to do that. But what you can't do is lie and fake it until you make it because the proof is in the pudding with something like a course. You either are effective at teaching someone how to do something or you're not. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's like, I think each of us have such unique perspectives on it too, because I just did this for the first time several months ago. Michael, you have like, you're on the operations and you understand how like putting it all together, Bobby, you've done all the things, but like, you know, the audience building and everything. And so it struck the, it struck a nerve for me, for each of us. And, um, you know, it, it does make me think too, if you're using something like chat GPT, and if you are trying to make it this super easy way, not only will it not succeed, but it's like not going to be passive either because you are constantly going to be fielding issues with how the course was designed or, you know, somebody's like, that's not actually, you know, the idea of becoming an expert in just a day or two, you know, you're going to, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to go back in and correct and it's all going to take time. And it's, you know, the, mm -hmm. the $10 that you make at some point because that's all you're <laughs> going to be able to sell your course for with no audience. You know, like it's not going to be worth the time yeah. that you put in to correct those things. And well, and I mean, we take a lot of pride in how we build our products and that they mm -hmm. are quality, that they really do get someone from their first introduction to a topic to being able to get clients and go out into the world and use the skill. And we love to support our people and we don't, we, we don't take a lot of shortcuts. Like we work really hard on all our products. And I think that just the attitude of spinning something up with AI, I, I'm not, I don't believe in karma exactly, but like the marketplace, if not the universe, the marketplace is not going to reward you for that. I mean, that's just, it's slimy and it's sleazy and it's just not going to work. Like, yeah, it's just not realistic. Yeah. Well, and I got, I got an argument with the lady in our Facebook group about this because and stuff like this hurts people that sell legitimate things, which, I, which is the most annoying part because she was like, Oh, you know, I've seen bookkeeping courses pop up during the pandemic and you know, they're mostly just bogus or whatever. And they need to be taught by a real CPA and all that stuff. She hadn't looked into our program. Like we, we paid a CPA to partner with us to create the program and basically become part of our team. Like we, we invested tens of thousands of dollars into just like the, the production of the course. So, um, but it's hard because it's like the odd, it's like, there's so many of these scammy people out there that do this stuff. And then they're like, you know, it makes, makes a uh, potential buyer skeptical, which I understand, you know, but it's just, it's annoying. Cause it's like, ah, uh, it makes it harder for people that actually are doing it the right way. Yeah. It is funny when you, when you hear the sales objections and you talk to people as you're trying to sell the course, like they let you know pretty well what sleazy tactics the market has used. Cause they're kind of like looking at you with skeptic, skeptical eyes. Are you doing that to me as well? And, um, I mean, it's, it's fine, you know, it's fine to vet something you're going to buy, but I do think it is wild how many people are out there, not only selling subpar products, um, probably just through flashy marketing and branding and, you know, smoke and mirrors, but they charge like so much more than we do or so much more than, you know, good quality products do. And I think that they're just burning a lot of 
I think what typically happens is they burn a lot of people along the way, but they don't care if they're just bulldozing through, um, which is which is really sad. And that's not to say there aren't other good coaches and good courses. Of course there are. But yeah. Yeah. when you hear all the people who are skeptical of our course, it's because they've been you know similarly burned or they've seen yeah. the, the bad practices. So that does make me mad. That makes me like mad. That makes me mad because you're not you're not helping people. And anytime you're just trying to, you know, make a buck off someone without handing them that much value back. Yeah. I don't have any respect for you. So then what thinking about it on the consumer side and how there are the objections to, you know, especially when you have like slimy people like this article, that's basically, you know, uh, delegitimizing all the work that real experts and course creators uh, do to produce a product that is valuable. What would, somebody look out for what could we say like how how what would be an easy way to sort of vet a course if you were interested in one you know i the first thing that i could think of is like um you know looking into the person who's teaching the course you know this guy says become an expert in 24 hours so like how long has the instructor been doing what they're teaching like what is their history with that i feel like would be good can you guys you know give me anything else here yeah well, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Like, I think I legitimately think that a lot of people probably purchase our courses just because there is a, a history of like social proof with other courses. And, um, and I've just, I've been around for a while. Like we've all been doing this for a while. Um, and it's just, it's easy to like, you can for like for this company, at least like you can Google my name and go like, okay, like this is a person that isn't just a made up person. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I, I do think like the person behind the course or the company behind the course, like yeah, do some research. Um, but if I could say one thing about that, the problem, the sad part is it almost turns into credentialism. You know, there's, you want to really know someone has the right to be teaching you what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. But because there's plenty of people who can teach you a skill without having the credential behind their name. But because you're looking for that expertise, it can oftentimes, uh, you know, you, you have to see a degree or a big firm, a, a big company that they worked at. And that's, that's again, a little unfair uh, because there are plenty of people who um, are just really passionate and good at what they're teaching who don't have the credentials. So that's an unfortunate yeah. side effect of it. It is. Yeah. But I think that's like just one trust factor in a lot of different things. But even like with the way that we do stuff, like I didn't teach the bookkeeping course and I mm-hmm. Ariel taught the proofreading course. Like I don't have a degree in English or a degree in bookkeeping, but I think it's just a, a matter of like, you know, Which you don't need either to do either of those yeah. things. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you don't. But it's like you have to you have to be able to, you know, like if somebody wanted to like their Ariel, for example, if somebody wanted to look up Ariel, like they could mm-hmm. find her and see that she's worked for multiple publications and she's been around this brand for a long time. We talk about Ariel. So I do think that that's another piece of like why the audience think is important for building trust. But um, but I think it's just more of like, yeah, showing the track record of like that you've actually done something it to a level to where you can teach other people how to do it and you have to be able to kind of prove that. And then I think that the other thing is just like the, the course has to be good. Like people have to get mm-hmm. results from it. Um, and if it's not good, then it's harder to sell <laughs> because you don't have social proof to show people like this is something that's worked. And I think we like the bookkeeping launch went well because for a lot of reasons, but like we've had a proven track record of having people come through our programs and have success. And I think that that, that does matter quite a bit, you know? So mm-hmm. even though that particular product was new, we were able to sell because people were like, okay, well, they've done other stuff that works really well. So this is probably good too. Well, and we support the heck out of our students. And we heard that so many times when, st- when people were coming in on this last launch, like, oh, I didn't expect you to like 
help me this much. I thought this was just like a book I was buying off the shelf. Like, no. And I, I think that that's, that goes a long way as well when we show uh, the results that we're going to get for people and that we have gotten for people, but also just we're here for you. Like if you're stuck, you don't know what to do. You got a question. You don't understand something. Um, so I think that kind of understanding how they're going to support you um, mm-hmm. is a big thing because again, if you pay several hundred or thousands of dollars for something, that's essentially like just getting a binder of materials that you don't have support around or that you don't have support that you think is going to help you if you, if you get stuck, that could be kind of put you in a pinch. I also think the, uh, you know, reaching out before you buy the course and just like asking some questions and seeing how responsive they are to you, um, how, how well they answer your questions. Are they just trying to like brush you off, you know, brush off some things that you, that you find are important. And I think, I think we've done a good job of answering potential students questions, but I think that that's important too. And I think that can give you an idea of how passionate the course creators feel about what they're putting together. And that passion all, you know, I think really does lead to a quality product. And then it also gives you like an idea of that support that you're going to receive after the fact too. So. Yeah. And I think if you think about why someone would buy a course, we're kind of in it. And so we talk about courses all the time, but you know, the average person isn't going out and buying an online course very often. Mm -hmm. So when they're getting ready to hit the buy button, there's something about the promise of the course and what they want to see happen in their life that are aligning at the right time. And so again, I just, I'll come back to the fact that you do want to see if you can trust the brand. You want to see if it's going to accomplish um, the objectives you have for your life, but that's a real like big ask and a big um, it's a lot of trust someone's putting in you because they're spending not only dollars, they're going to put their time into it and they're going to put their hopes into it. It's sometimes, sometimes it's like the, the, the financial commitment. It's really interesting just doing this for years. Like some, sometimes people buy courses and they just buy them and they're like, eh, I'll get to it when I get to it. Cause the money's mm-hmm. not a big deal to them. But some people like, you know, we've had students who are like, it's a big deal to them. It's a big, like, yeah even a few hundred dollars, like really like there's pain attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I think you have to be a, like a good steward of that. Like you have to understand, like people are really making, you know, a, a big investment in you, even yes. if it's, you know, a few hundred dollars or whatever. But, you know, the other thing I've kind of noticed about that is those people where it's, there is some kind of pain attached to it, where it's like, it's a, it's a stretch for them. Like they tend to work harder. Mm-hmm. and, and move a little bit faster through the program. So mm-hmm. um, I think you do have to be a good steward of that trust and that you know, commitment of time to, you know, going through your product. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I was just going to finish it by again, kind of making nasty comments about the the article writer <laughs> that you can be 17 year old. You can spin up like a nice guy, a, spin up a course, you know, between 9 PM and 2 AM in the morning and then, you know, start selling it to people. Uh, there's actually something unethical about that. Like it's truly, it's the definition of putting sawdust in an, in a, in an engine of a car to make it stop making noise. Like it is, it's actually kind of unethical. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Okay. Well, good. Good. Ariel. Cool. We're in agreement. I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. I know. Me too. Well, yeah, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to emos too, though. It's equal emos and seeing you. It's like, I'm really, you know, you know what I mean? And it's it's both equal high. 
One of us cool. may disappoint. <laughs> He's 50%. We know which one. <laughs> Pizza's going to be great. I know, um, exactly. I'm excited He's, about it. He's 50% excited. excited to see you, 50% excited for emos, and we're going to eat mm-hmm. emos with you, so he'll be fully 100% excited. I'll be fully, yeah, I will be 100% fulfilled. His cup will be full. <laughs> Good. Uh, I, I am very excited to be there to see your reaction. So, like, don't get a piece out <sighs> see, of the pizza. See, that makes me feel like it's going to suck. <laughs> no, I, I, you might like it, and I would like to be there if you like it. You know, it's because people think it's so it's so much thinner than what they think it's going to be, right? Is that, and or is cheese. it the taste of the fake See, cheese? See, I'm I'm excited for the crust. A smoky cheese. I'm a smoky fake cheese. I I'm not sure I'm going to like that, but What's I it called love again? a thin crust. Provel. Provel. Okay. What kind of toppings are you going to get on the pizza? Oh. What do what you do suggest? You, what do you recommend? Yeah. Yeah, what do you I wouldn't. I wouldn't like put too many toppings because it's a thin crust pizza. It's not going to support a lot of weight, you know. They don't put thin. I mean, do we need anything? It? Can we just do? You can just cheese do cheese or sauce? cheese and pepperoni or sausage, oh, mushrooms. Pepperoni. I hate pepperoni on a pizza. What? Really? That is like a very common thing to put. That's on offensive. Pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's like my favorite pizza, but uh-huh. sorry, right, we'll do cheese. Pepperoni for and mushrooms, I think, are normal. Is more my favorite, but. Can we do yeah, like a half this, and half? Because I kind of want to get a little bit of, you know, or get get one of each or something. Because I kind of want to. Oh, sausage and mushrooms. That's that fine. We can get. Hey, you know what? We're doing all right. We can even get two pizzas. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Let's get. They two. cost nine dollars. Uh, but pizza. there was something else we need to order too, right, Ariel? <laughs> Toasted ravioli. Well, thank yeah. you for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you made it this far, I, I, you must be planning a trip to St. Louis as well. <laughs> Cheers to you. Uh, we will be back next week. And if you got any questions, let us know. There's a number in the comments. And uh, if you, you know, we sold, we, we low key sold our courses. If you're interested in learning a side hustle, a freelance gig, making more money, doing something uh, new with your life, email us, let us know. We'll tell you what we got. Uh, but hope you have a good week and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.